You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Everyone, you have the right to ask this question. What the F was that? We're going to break down what was the Flyers week this past week against the Rangers and Islanders, and it's Orange and Backcheck starting right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Episode 70 of Orange and Backcheck. Sometimes I wonder how long we're going to do this podcast after weeks like what we just experienced. But luckily, I have a guy in front of me that tries to calm us all down. You and I from the ledge, Scott Weinhardt. How you guys doing? How you doing, Every, brother? Everybody, start panicking. Everybody, <laughs> if you want to panic, just panic. Now is the time to panic. We need to start. Panicking. It's an appropriate time to start panicking. <laughs> like my God, fifteen goals over the course of two games against the Rangers and and the Islanders. It's has not been a fun week to say the least. But hindsight. They came away with 50% of the available points, four out of eight. They're fifth place. They're still outside uh, outside of Boston. But I, I keep coming back to the question of what the F was that? Like that that was like you told me in the pre-show, like you've had you remember similar or, or worse weeks of Flyers history of mm-hmm. losses. But for me, like and I think a lot of people, you may be in one of these listening to this, like that was just tough to watch. Like for the first time in a long time. I turned off the the game and walked away for like 15, 20 minutes, came back to it eventually. But like, it's tough to watch hockey when it's that bad between the course of those two games. doesn't matter which game you choose, whether you're choosing the Rangers, or the Islanders game, uh, the six, one loss or the, or, or, or the nine, nothing loss. Like n- nothing, nothing is worse than bad hockey in my opinion. Cause it, it's tough to watch and it's just, it's demoralizing. Well, it depends on who's playing the bad hockey. And right now it's the Flyers, unfortunately. And yeah. Look, I, I I joke around and say the time panic, but it's really not. It's really not a big deal. Like I'm, if everybody's like freaking out of the fact that they got blown out nine, nothing, you, you saw that was coming. And it, it, at some point it needed to happen because you look at this team and how we go back to our first episode of this past season. You thought they were going to be in the top three. I knew yes. right away this team was going to be fighting for a playoff spot the whole time just because of not just how tough this division is, but because weak defensively they are. You, that all came unglued, and they hit rock bottom against the Rangers on, what was it, Wednesday night or yeah. Thursday night? Yeah. Um, so they they hit they hit rock bottom. It was pretty brutal to watch that. But at the same time, I was absolutely glued in that second period because I couldn't take my eyes off and see what was happening in front of me. The defensive breakdowns and what we've been doing, if you do a hashtag O back check on Twitter and you search that, you'll see we're doing breakdowns of each goal in each game. And uh, I've been pretty busy the past few days with that. 
I'm not going to lie. But, <laughs> 15 yeah, goals, that's a lot. And you haven't yeah, even, yeah, exactly. you haven't even touched the Islanders game yet. Like, no, no, no. I, I want to talk. Uh, the first one, uh, let's uh, let's start off before we even get to the 9 nothing and talk about the game they did win in, in uh, where they, they battled the entire time. Now, they got lucky with a little bit of bad goaltending from Keith Kincaid. Didn't play terrible, but gave up some goals that were kind of, okay, the Fabry goal was a great shot. The, the pass to uh, Voracek in overtime basically was to him, Panarin, dogging it on the back check. They got lucky to get away with the two points there, but that was the dog fight back and forth that this team's going to have to do more often. They're going to give up a lot of goals. They're just they're, they have not filled out defensively. Uh, Nate Prosser's a disaster. Eric Gustafson can't do anything. Ghost's play has started to decline because he's not producing offensively now. So without that, it, it hurts. So really, you're down to three defensemen in – it really, I wouldn't even say solid in Phil Myers because Phil Myers has really been at fault lately, and everybody wants to blame Sanheim. Sanheim hasn't been as much of a problem said that I Myers that, has. Yeah. Myers has been in the doghouse quite a few times under yeah. AV, and rightfully so, if I'm if I might add, like right. he's rightfully so being been stra- scratched quite a few times here. Agreed, and 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 Provorov doesn't look that great because he's got nobody to play with, and that's the yeah. problem. So like. Right now, defensively, this team is just an absolute mess, but they, they're, they're going to have to outscore teams to be able to get up points here. And when the wheels came off, they, they, look, game, the first game against the Rangers, it was exciting. It was back and forth. Was it, mess, it was messy defensively? Yes, it was messy defensively, but that's what the NHL wants. They won a lot of goals. Like, yeah, you gave up four, but you still wound up scoring five, and it was back and forth hockey. That's ultimately what the league wants. You fast forward another night, Mika Zibanejad hasn't done anything lately. All of a sudden goes over six points in one period, gets a hat trick. I thought he was going to score another five goals like he did a year ago before, right before the shutdown. Um, they, the, the wheels just came off and they imploded. They just had a, an awful ability of just not being able to defend. Nobody was communicating well out there. Guys are getting beat up. Nobody watching the backside play. You see the centers and the defensemen coming together, trying to cover the same guys or looking around like, wait, who's got who? There was absolutely just a disaster of what they were trying to do. They had no clue defensively where they needed to go, where people needed to be. And that's why you came up. It's not Carter Hart's fault. It's not Brian Elliott's fault. It's just the overall team defense is just garbage. And with the players that are supposed to step up, haven't, uh, that's why it looks so bad because really they're not playing with six defensemen. They're playing with really three NHL defensemen, like maybe two and a half. And yeah. three and a half, three AHL defensemen because they, they just they they can't they cannot recover defensively and they cannot pick up the right things. And I, for me, I don't think it's a talent thing. It, it comes down to again, as I mentioned last week, these coaches are not putting these players in the right spot. And whatever defensive strategy they're trying to imply, it's making the players overthink and they're not playing well. And that's yeah, I- why you lose nine nothing. Right. Like it, it seems, and this goes to like just the defensive turnovers that we've seen when they're trying to just do the basic throw it off the boards and try and get it into the, just the neutral zone. Like when they're, when they're being sustained with pressure for so long that you're at the point where you're just trying to clear the puck into the neutral zone. You're not trying to create an offensive chance. You're just trying to get it out of the zone so you can relieve some of that pressure. They're struggling just to do something basic as that. Like right. you, you touched on it with Nate, Nate Prosser, like for the love of God, I know Shane Gossespierre has been struggling on the defensive end and he's struggling offensively right now. You cannot dress Nate Prosser for the rest of this season. No, I'm sorry. No, like no. he, the problem is, and someone brought this up uh, to me uh, that I heard, like the biggest problem is that of how AV, in my opinion, is handling this lineup. And it's not, and it's not his fault. Be, well, 
it's it's a struggle because you're trying to balance who one what players can legally do or go through this without being claimed off waivers but when players are struggling the normal rite of passage is to just send them down to the lehigh valley get them a look their wheels under them and then bring them back up you could have done that someone suggested that with oscar limblom but obviously he would have to go through waivers and someone would claim him off the like right away Mm -hmm. so i i think the biggest problem is the lack of being able to do that and the lack of practice time we talked about how this schedule is just nonstop. They're on every other night. They're doing a couple back-to-backs. They're, the month of April is absolutely insane in terms of their weekends are mm-hmm. taken up with back-to-backs. Like this, this is not going to be fixed anytime soon, in my opinion, because of the lack of practice time, the lack of ability to get players up and, and moving from the taxi squad to the to Lehigh Valley, uh, back up to here. Like it, nothing, nothing suggests to me, like, the only theoretical way to do this is to play your way out of it. And the schedule is so rigid. It's so tough because of how the conference is aligned this year. Like I, I'm, I have no faith in this t- team from the blue line, specifically the blue line of how much they've struggled and the third center and the fourth centers like Kevin Hayes and Sean Couturier. And hopefully he, Sean Couturier will find out more about his injury soon. As of, I believe tomorrow he's being evaluated today we'll, or we'll know more information about what's going on. Cause he was obviously a late scratch scratch on Saturday, but for the most part, I don't see anything out of this squad that can do a quick fix. There is no quick fix. You can't make a trade. You can't you can't call somebody up. Like you could theoretically make a trade, but is Matthias Eckholm again, we talked about it last week, worth what the capital is gonna take to get him in here? And then all of a sudden it's kind of maybe he can fix the blue line and you have a proper partner for Provorov. That's that's the biggest question. No, I, I disagree. I, I don't think that making a trade for just because of Ekholm is going to swing anything. Look, you look at this roster. It is really unchanged from last year. They didn't get just yep. bad defensively. They didn't lose their skill set. There's no reason that Nolan Patrick is a minus 15. He's been awful defensively. Phil Myers is a minus 10. Travis Sanheim is a minus 10. Nate Proctor is a minus 7. Oscar Lindblom is a minus 7. Nick Obey-Kubel, who I thought was going to be actually better this year has just been awful with the penalties he's taking he's done nothing well enough to be able to to, to at least show to me that he should be even to deserve a chance on this roster any further and we talked about that Um, last year kubel has been just a journeyman ahl to nhl player like he hasn't yeah he's not he's not a guy you can keep up much longer he makes mistakes right he's taking a lot of bad penalties and he does nothing now but except put the flyers in big trouble and losing a guy like your favorite player um yeah, Tyler Pitlick was a hard thing to do for them. Um, that was brought up to speak, and that was actually a really good point. I didn't ever even thought about that until someone had mentioned that. Um, but I thought that was a really solid point. Like, wow, like they really do miss a guy like him who can grind out and who can still has the defensive responsibility. Yeah. Kubel's not that not that kind of guy. Now, there's there's two there's two ways of looking at this. They're also a young team. Like, don't forget, like, their back end is still pretty fa- fairly young. Nolan Patrick, Phil Myers, and Travis Sandheim are younger guys. Nolan Patrick didn't play last year. Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim, they didn't look all that great during the Montreal or the Islanders series. But it also comes back to this, is that the coaching, they don't really have an ability to take the time to develop the players as much. You have to earn, you have to basically develop on the fly on the ice. That's no excuse because there's no excuse for them to drop off as bad as they did. But there is no outlet for them to be able to reset. They don't have the ability to be able to scratch guys like, Phil Myers and Travis Sandheim for a game or two or send them down because they don't have anybody else. You're absolutely right. However, 
I will say this. If they do make some sort of move, it may give a spark to this team and kind of light a fire. Yeah. And I think that's actually what they need to do. Because if you look, if, look, you go back to the nine, nothing loss. That was completely rock bottom. You're not going to get any worse than that. Really. You're not. I mean, the, the way that period unfolded, you looked at that third period of saying, okay, let's look at this from like Vigneault said after it's about pride. Like legit, you look in that third period and they fought hard in that third period and the Rangers weren't kidding around. They were trying to go for 10 goals and they yeah. didn't get it. The Flyers didn't give it to them. They didn't give them any great opportunities to do that. Um, I, I give that team a lot of credit for coming back. Then they go back and they have three scoreless periods in a row, two against the Islanders, almost lose it in the third in the game they won, but battled back and won. I will, talking- say, I will say the Thursday game, the, the two periods that they played up until blowing the lead was some of their best hockey that we've seen. They responded very, very well Agreed. to a, a, a nine, nothing loss. The problem is there again, it seems as if once something happens that causes them to have to reset how they're playing, whether it's giving up a goal, taking a bad penalty, a fight, whatever it may be, it rocks them to a, to their core, a simple goal when they're up three, one, or excuse me, three, nothing. And now they're only up three to one. Now all of a sudden they're like, Oh, we only have a two goal lead, the worst lead to have in hockey. Like that's that, that's where we're at. We can't give up the next one. Then you're giving up the next one. You're down three two, and then you're like, nope, we, we can't do this. Like the mindset of this team is completely shattered, it seems. And that goes to coaching, in my opinion. It's not just the players. Like I I blame coaching for this. Whether it's AV or or Michelle Terrian or or Mike Yo, these guys have to get their minds right. They have to simplify the game, and they're not doing it. I cannot fathom why. I don't think they're doing it to the extent that you're seeing. I, I like. I think they're trying so hard to right the ship that they're probably overthinking a bit themselves. But I do think this team is missing some veteran leadership. I mean, yep. look, I'll be honest Which with you. Which is sad because we've talked about how great Claude Giroux is as a captain. He is the guy that we expect to be the Hayes only and, one. They, they need right. a veteran on their back end, and Justin Braun's not enough. Now, he leads the team, believe it or not, in plus minus with a plus 10. Justin Braun leads this team in plus minus with a That's plus 10. That's saying something. That's that, not that, good. No, it's not, and it's, it's not a great thing, but it's good that he's still enough where even though he might not be the best defenseman out there, he's still a rock that you have there that's keeping you afloat. And But still, you need a you need more of a voice in that locker room. It seems to me you need a guy, you need a guy like you go back to, you're talking about one of some of the worst weeks, some of the worst weeks I've seen this team play were actually in 2009, 2010, the year they made the final when they were going through injury issues and they were just completely underperforming. And then all of a sudden in February, they just went on a tear and won almost every single game in that month. Yeah. So, and that's what got them back in the playoff race. But they had a guy. They had they had veteran leadership there. They had a chemo team in it. They had a Chris Pronger, who was a very very big piece of that locker room. They had other guys like Danny Briere. They had a collective group. Here, really, the leadership core is Couturier, Giroux, and Voracek. And really, the only players that have been to a final on this roster are Justin Braun and Claude Giroux. There, there isn't guys who have really been tested here. And that's why I think it's important for this team at the deadline, not just Matias Ekholm, but get a shakeup, get a player in here who could be a veteran voice for these guys and kind of say, hey, guys, listen, settle down. Like, it's not all coaching. Like, coaching's an issue in a sense of where the players are supposed to be. I, don't, I, I agree there's some problems there. But they also need something in that locker room where Chuck Fletcher needs to go out and get a guy, not just Matias Ekholm. But you go out and get a guy who can stable and right the ship when things like this happen to keep guys level-headed. Because no disrespect to G, the Drew at all, or Voracek, none of it. Because they, they've been through a lot of this stuff. They need more than just those two guys 
to be able to do it. Yeah, but I see I when I see players like Kevin Hayes and and even Sean Couturier again. Oh, Hayes has been to a final. Excuse me, he's another one. Right, like these guys. When I'm seeing these guys make basic outlet passes that immediately come to the to the turnover. I know we've talked about how Nate Prosser he's he had, he was directly responsible for hanging Carter out Hart out to drive on three separate occasions uh on 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 Saturday night and that led to the three nothing at least three of the goals against the Islanders. The problem is I'm seeing basic outlet passes be overthought over over overthought overthought and just everything is just not simplified they're creating turnovers and again that goes to in my opinion coaching because something in the coaching system has told them when you get the puck in the slot of your own zone here's what you're doing you're not just doing the basic outlet i want you doing something else that's what i'm getting out of this whether we want to agree with it or not you don't have to agree with me that's how i'm seeing it i think this uh, that's why i'm seeing it come down to coaching av as much as i like him has to realize that something he's not the end all be all of decision making he's like i get that he recently scratched oscar limblom on on Wednesday night when they won, or on, excuse me, on Thursday night when they beat the Islanders. Or, no, no, no. Sorry, on Tuesday scratched, night against the, against the Rangers. Right. He was scratched the night of the 9 nothing loss. Then he came back and he scored two goals. There's no reason to be scratching that player right now. I get he's working through it. Your excuses of saying... I, I he's not playing well, I want to give him a reset, it's a lot of games, I understand. But you, when you're at this point in the season, you don't have much going for you. It's going to have to take a lot for me to bank on, yes, I want Oscar Lindblom rested. I want Shane Gossespierre rested. Mm-hmm. These guys are the guys you're going to win with at this point until you make a move. It, no, I disagree with you because it's not about – benching a guy like Lindblom is not because you're – you because you you're you're trying to get that player going. Look, it, it's it is because and that's good. That's that's the good part of coaching, actually. That's if I if you ask me, I have a problem with him benching a young guy and saying, "Hey, look, like you haven't scored in twenty games. It's it's been over twenty games since he scored a goal. He's done nothing but take up ice time." So, taking a game and talking about resetting a guy like that, what he really means is that okay, I want you to come watch the game from the press box and see what's going on at a higher level and watch the game and kind of see how everything's happening. And that way, when you take that experience and you're pissed off when your team is nine nothing, you get more of a drive to be like, okay, now I know what I need to do. And what do you do? He responded by making a smart hockey play, cut into the slot and shooting on a screen that G had set up and got himself a game winning goal. And also being in the right place at the right time, because all he did was simple was go to the net. So all these things that, that he does, as resetting players, it's to get them off the ice, not to bench them, so to speak. It's to get them to see the game from the press box and kind of get like, oh, like this is what's happening. I take that step back. You're not going to play. You're going to watch and see what's happening down there tonight and watch what I want you to do. And then also get feedback on what you need to do going forward because it puts a different mindset on you. It, it's that, yeah, but then, but then it's, on it's, Saturday, it's taking I... a step back for them. It's just taking a step back. It's taking sure. a step back to reset them. It worked for one game, and then then Oscar Limbaugh, his best thing was uh, starting a fight that tried to create a spark on Saturday that, night. That, that's you see he did he did that. Has he done that before? No, no. but uh, but like but I that, think that's I just, what I'm talking about. Benching points every single game. Of course, you know, I'm not saying that. But don't he, don't be one of these fans here that just say like, oh my god, he had, he he didn't score any goals. He scored right. two and he scored nothing, don't and he's got nothing that. in the last three games. He's he's trash. Like no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is 
for him to go from a Thursday night where he scored two goals and then was basically the rest, the entire team. It wasn't just him. I'm just picking on Oscar Limbaugh for the sake of this argument. Like, and then Oscar Limbaugh's only blip in the radar, it seemed for, for Saturday night was starting a fight to cause it, create a, a spark. Is that like, what does that achieve? Like, that's not because he was benched. That was just because you were playing piss poor again. And you were giving up again, six freaking goals. Well, hang on, hang on. And before you do this, before before we go on, everybody wants to hit the panic button because of what happened on Tuesday night against the Islanders. That, I'm telling you, was rock bottom. They responded by beating the top team in the East by going up 3 Who were on a nine-game win streak, yeah. Yes, yeah. blowing the lead, and then came back and still won it, okay, in regulation. They didn't give them any points that game. Mm-hmm. So if you're the top team in the East, I expect you to come back and put pedal to the metal. Now, granted, I would say four out of those goals were just simply bad luck, and two of them were just bad plays. So, for instance, the one that was, I think, Eberle's goal. But Eberle's let's focus on the bad of- plays. Let's focus on those bad plays because the bad okay, plays. Okay, Nate Foster turning it over the blue line and leaving right. wide open to Carter Hart. Carter Hart playing it right to the net, right behind to an open violander. Like, the the, those the are bad, bad plays are what's killing this team. It's why they're on the outside looking into the playoffs right now. And again, in my opinion, that goes to coaching. When you're causing this bad of play, Carter Hart, Carter Hart's a bad example because we don't have a big uh, infograph on what he is. He played two and a half seasons, but a guy like Kevin Hayes doesn't make those plays. And all of a sudden he is. Claude Giroux is, is all of a sudden. Kevin Hayes but, is doing what he can and not to, let's, let's not, let's not take out the biggest factor of last night's game that they didn't have Couturier. So now you're I agree. Last minute. But so at the last minute, and it juggled your lines, yes. Yeah, and you have to jumble your lines and have Kevin Hayes play as your top center, which you can do as a placeholder, but he's not a full-time top center in this league. And Kevin Hayes is actually having a pretty solid season. He's a plus two, plus 21 points. It's not bad through 29 games for him. It's not bad at all. Had a pretty play the other night, but a pass to Voracek, waited for Justin Braun to go to the net, and waited for Jura Voracek's lane to open up, and he just did and hit the pass. Perfect play. Now, go back to when we talk about the mistakes. The mistakes weren't so much there on Saturday night. They were there, a lot of them defensively against the, I think it's the Rangers on Wednesday. They made some mistakes the night before. Carter Hart gave up a bad goal. They made some mistakes in coverage against uh, on Thursday night against the Islanders where they almost blew the game. Last night wasn't so much bad law, a bad play as it was bad bounces. They couldn't get anything going defend offensively, but you're not giving credit to the Islanders. They're the top team in the East for a reason. Now, they started off slow, and now they're coming up along really well. I told you from the beginning of this is that you expect the first place team when they get their asses kicked or when they just blow a nine game lose streak, that they're going to respond as well. So don't look at it. It's just simply from the flyers perspective. Saturday night, there was actually, they didn't play poorly. They had some bad luck with bounces in front. Not the ice was terrible. No, no, don't blame the ice. Yeah. Okay, good. In front I, of the I would, net. Yeah. No, I wouldn't blame the ice. They collapsed in front of the net. The puck bounced around. It landed on an Islander stick. The first one that went to J.G. Pajot, the puck was deflected. It landed right on J.G. Pajot's stick in an open net. How can you expect Carter to do that? When there's seven guys in front of him, a bouncing puck, and it winds up over your shoulder because you can't see it, you can't blame goaltending on that. That's just bad luck. They had a couple of bad luck plays that ended up in their net, and sometimes those happen. I would say those four goals in the first ended up that way, and that's what happened. So the the only one that I disagree, I I actually agree with you that Carter Hart is not to blame for the most part of the the, the collapse in, in in on Long Island. The problem uh, the problem I saw with him was on the second goal, the Nate Prosser blue line turnover. Um, that was a pretty distant shot from from the outside circle. 
I think Carter Hart normally has that shot, but again, it also is going to his glove side again. That is everyone's weakness, or that is his weakness that everyone has identified from Boston all the way down to Buffalo. It doesn't matter who it is. Like they are firing nonstop on his glove side, and he has to fix that. Now, that is the only real goal that I can remember out of the six that was truly his fault. Everyone else, yes was either a bad turnover, bad play, or it was just an unlucky bounce that just went the Islanders' way. They could play against the Islanders this week, and then it'll go their way at home. Oh, I'm going to stop you there because, actually, it's not so much Carter Hart's glove has been bad. Remember we talked about a lot during last season and off the season what he needs to work on is under those arms. Gave up that goal the other night, and I get I think the tying – not the tying goal, the one out the one to Wallstrom. Yeah, it was the one to Wallstrom, yeah. the tying goal. He, he gave it up under the arm where he yeah, should have had six it. Hole. The he six hole is what yeah. you called it? Yeah. Yeah, six hole, yeah. So, Which you can – if you have not seen the breakdown, it's on our YouTube page in the description below. Scott does an amazing job of, uh, of, the, of, that, of that breakdown. Check that out if you so, have not seen it. Yeah, they're all on Twitter. So go on Twitter, check them out. Hashtag OBackCheck. You'll see them. They're hashtag the game number and then the goal number. And we just break them down and tell you exactly why it happened. Because some people are looking at goaltending. Some people are looking at Sanheim and blaming Sanheim. Like, Sanheim's not the fault on this goal. Look at this guy. Well, why look, like, when, like, when, when, making a point. Making yeah, a point. Well, but, I mean, the, the, the easiest thing is this team is broken right now. When we're talking about specific it, it plays, is. we're just trying to find someone majorly to blame. But on the whole... This team is very broken right now, and the question is, can they fix it? Like that, so. Going back and real quick before we move on that, because it is. I, I think they're actually trending in the right direction, believe it or not. I don't think they played poorly on Sun- on Saturday night against the Islanders. Looking back at that game, yes, offensively they didn't get much going, but you can't blame them because they went against the top defensive team in the league. So sometimes that's going to happen. So don't take, take, a, take a step back and understand of the other team's perspective. The Flyers are a broken team right now. You can't expect them to go in there and sweep a team like the Islanders because the Islanders are the class of the Eastern Conference or the Eastern Eastern Division. They're just they, they are. They are the best team out there, best most the most responsible defensively team, and they play very efficient offensively. They're the same thing that they were last year. They're a Stanley Cup contender. The Flyers are on the fringe of that because they need to put some pieces in place. We're going back to Card Hart. Like a lot of players like to shoot glove side anyway. Go back and look at the Vorlamov goals. He gave them all up glove side. All yeah. the one glove side. So, yeah. like, that's just where the players like to shoot. The problem is with Hart is that Hart sometimes kind of leans off his angle a little bit and they know to pick the corner on him. So, when you give a guy a pro yeah. shooter off the circle that much room, you're going to – they're going to nail it nine times out of ten. You can't expect every single goalie to stop that. So, And that's why people um, have been saying that Carter Hart looks small in net, like figuratively and, and legitimately or realistically. Like, he looks – small compared to what he was last year in net for he's not he's cutting playing. the angle right for how he's play positioning and everything like that like everyone played deeper than that carter hart's playing and he's admitted this like he's not having fun right now and i don't blame him but he's also got to get and i think this is what we're a little bit shocked by with carter hart is it seems like he's letting it get to his head and that's very abnormal from what we've learned from him over the last two years of seeing Carter Hart. That's the problem. That's well, the major, biggest concern right now with Carter Hart, I feel. It's the first time he's ever faced adversity at this yeah. level. Yeah, It really is. I mean, let's go back. They weren't that good in 18-19, but I wouldn't really count that so much as his rookie year. Last year was really his rookie year. I'd say this yeah, year is I more agree. of a sophomore year, and this is a sophomore slump. Sometimes you take a step back. You, sometimes you do. And he knows he needs to put in more work in the offseason and play and play better. He's not going to turn into a Steve Mason where he's going to need to get moved and then play better like that. Call it a trip. That's not that's the type of scenario that he is. 
I would look at his path more than Braden Holpe. Hey, Braden Holpe went through the same thing, but what they did is they went out and got a guy like Thomas Vokun to back him up well, so they can play tandem with him. So, like, I'm, I'm making because that's a, that's a very good comparison of what you're trying to look at for the yeah. path of his career. Braden Holpe is a very good example of that. So they, they went back in 2013, 2014, in those couple of years there, and got him a, a veteran backup who can play – and, and take the load off him if he's not playing well. I, and I think that the Flyers have to make a move this offseason to get a, another goaltender who is a starter. Not so much Elliot. I, look, all due respect, Elliot, you can't keep a 36-year-old goaltender as a guy who can play like 20, 25, 30 games for you, maybe mm-hmm. upwards of 40. It, it, Elliot's not going to be able to handle that load. They have to probably look at a goaltender who can come back and can play up to 40 games if Carter Hart needs that support. Well, look at also if you were talking about 18, 19, not being really his rookie season, I agree. But at the same time, when he was called up in December of that year, look at the beginning in September, October, when he was with Lehigh, he didn't have strong numbers. He got really, really hot in yeah. November. Yeah. And then he, all of a sudden he was in the NHL and that's yeah. where we're at today. Like I completely agree. Like this is just the first time his, his adversity has struck him in the NHL and it's going to be something he's going to have to fight through. It just sucks that it's a, a year where the schedule is completely flipped on its head and what yep. normally is the, the routine yep. for a goalie. Like, you can't just, like, put him down for two games, three games, because it's too important. He's yeah, the number one guy. Right. That's they're what he is. They've got 29 games played. they got 27 to go. And yeah, that's three scary. points behind Boston. No, it's not. They're only three points behind Boston. Boston's slipping back a bit lately. Like, there, there are some positive things that happen here. I yeah. keep saying that the nine nothing loss is rock bottom because it is like, I'm not looking at it from the play on the ice and looking at it from the perspective of the guys in the locker room and the coaches. Like, look, like that was the worst job that any of those players and probably the worst loss in the history of their careers that they've ever going to experience. That's an embarrassing thing. And to respond the way you did, that's a positive thing, but you took a night. I wouldn't say a step back, but yeah, like, you're not going to just all of a sudden just, Hey, we lost nine nothing. We're just going to completely turn it on. Now we're going to play the best hockey ever. No, they rebounded. They understood they rebounded and they took it like a slight step back and step backward or leaning backward a little bit with that loss. But understand at the same time, they, they did play a top team. Now this week, it, it's going to get interesting for them because they do have the honors again tomorrow night at home, which yep. really should be a game that they should win. They should really be like, look, no more of this. We dropped, we finished 500. They, they can beat them. I suspect they will beat them. Then they have the devils and the devils, they're, they're they're okay they're not okay you know Mackenzie Blackwood their goaltender is injured again and so they're they're still not up to par yet so they have an opportunity to beat them and then they play the Rangers twice and then Thursday and Saturday at home and I tell you the first thing that they're going to do is that bullet point material of nine nothing is going to be on that bulletin board in that locker room yeah what they're going to do is they're going to go back and watch that tape and so everything they did and I guarantee you they're going to kick the Rangers ass in both games I just have a strong feeling that they're going to beat them both games I'm telling you that 9 nothing loss will set you back and reset you. I've seen the Flyers get blown out like that with bad scores a couple of times over the years, and they've always responded, and it's kind of turned them around a little bit. Sometimes you need to hit rock bottom, and then you start working your way out of it. I'm not saying they're going to be perfect. There's eight points available this week, and I'll be damned if they don't get six. And I know I've said that the last two weeks. But yeah, I was going to say, you've say, been on that yeah. prediction. Well, I said five last week. I know, <laughs> but I'll you be did. damned if they don't come away with six this week. Because I'll tell you what, these are winnable games. They're winnable these games are. against the I, Rangers like, and the Islanders. They, they might lose the Islanders. That's okay. They're the top team in the East. I don't expect them to just turn it on and be able to beat a team as skilled as the Islanders. But the Devils and Rangers twice, you better wipe the floor with them. Because now you know that it's, punch, it's, it's crunch time. And now going back and seeing how well much you were embarrassed – being blown out and basically two of your four games there 
And now you're looking and saying, okay, now we need to start working this thing out. Now we start because look, you, you have a little bit of a light schedule here over the next two weeks here. Like you have the devils in a game. You have the Rangers who you kind of go back and forth a little bit. Then you have the Sabres two games. And then guess what? Then you're back playing the Bruins. You're in April playing the Bruins, the Islanders, and then the Capitals and the Penguins again. So that's where it's going to get tight now, where this is where you need to start turning it on because you're entering the playoff hockey scenario where now it's like before with the Flyers, they always had to start turning it on in December and then work their way through the season. By the time I got to the playoffs, they're already worn out. Now it's time to start looking at every game as a playoff game. It's time. There's 20 like games truly, left. Yeah. You, you need you need to do it. This is your crunch time. You might be only halfway through the season, but there's only 27 games left to go. And if there's only 27 games left. Listen, you're going to need a lot of points out of these ones to get it, a chance to the playoffs because you're already three behind Boston who's slumping. Dukarask is hurt, and they haven't been playing great as of lately. And I think the COVID bug, I think I had started hitting them a little bit. So yeah. um, if that's the case, now's the time to catch the points up because I'll tell you what, Pittsburgh's hot. They're not going away. The Islanders are playing well, and the Capitals are playing well. There's only one spot available, and it's going to be against Boston unless they turn it around too. So it's crunch time. It's crunch time. You have no yeah, choice now. Like I, I just I, – I think nothing about this right now gives me hope that they'll turn it around. Like I, I'm just being straight honest with everyone. Like, I would see like a lot of that people believe that. Especially way. because we talked about how in the beginning in our preseason uh, podcast how – 56 games is a very limited number for available points because as you said you know the islanders are are the better team of you of you right now the 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 boston bruins are pittsburgh is on the fringe with you and then obviously the rangers are on the fringe with you and then everyone else and then you get the cat like the just the change up of having boston in the east really screwed things up because it creates one less potential uh playoff spot for you and i'm not like making excuses it's just a matter of fact like this is how it looks like so like yes will they could they lose on monday at home absolutely will they more than likely i think right now that's like i would say at best 60 40 chance that they 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 40 60 chance that they're actually going to win 40 percent chance they'll win like and then you get you go bounce right back against the lowly devils fine but uh, what you're what you were just talking about how they, they could turn things around real quickly getting six out of eight points against lower tier teams for the most part you also have to look at the scenario where if they are still hung up on the nine nothing against the rangers or the six one loss against the islanders the, the sink could ship even farther down the line. All of a sudden you're in sixth place and that, then you're six points out of, uh, out of that playoff spot. And then you're like, okay, well we have the Bruins coming up so we can come back with them and you can make the stuff up. But then you're like, well, we also haven't beaten Boston all all season. We've lost to them in Lake Tahoe after a hard fought battle. And that was the last time we played them. And it's just like what I understand what you may be thinking as a listener or, or and agreeing with Scott and saying, yeah, I, I think this team can turn it around because they're coming. They're, they have a four-game home swing coming up after a four-game road road swing. But at the same time, again, th- this isn't a, a, an easy fix for this team. Like this is this is a maybe a move, maybe a, a Matias Matthias Ekholm comes in and all of a sudden the rights the ship. Or you're looking at a guy like Chris Versteeg scenario back in 2008 or whatever it was, and all of a sudden 2011. that does 2011, and the, that's. The opposite. Christopher Stieg destroyed this team. That that move was supposed to create more yeah, offensive pressure. But they were a much better team back then. They were in the race for the President's Trophy until the last two weeks of the season. 
against with Vancouver. So that's a much different scenario than it is now when you're talking about Christopher T where they made a move to try to give him a push in the playoffs. This is a move here to actually improve the roster. There's, there's, yeah, there's yeah, that's true. You're, you're, trying to, you're trying to improve the team for the long haul because you see a missing hole here. You know, it's crazy how, like, a year later, we're still people are still bringing up Matt Niskanen's hole. But it's seriously, like, the Flyers had a, he had a couple of years on his contract. They didn't bring him in just for a one year rental. They fought, they brought him here here for the long haul. Look, look, and at the end of the day, he, he it's his decision. He wanted to spend time in his own. It's fine, but he really screwed up the Flyers here defensively. So, yes, he did. And they, yes, and they have absolutely. not been able to recover that. So, I've seen situations like 07 08 where they go to the conference final, 08 09. They make a move early in the season. They lose a piece defensively, and Jason Smith, they couldn't replace him. They brought in Matt Carl, more of an offensive player, 08-09. They're out in the first round. The team the team chemistry completely changed the point. 2009-2010, they made the move in the offseason to bring Pronger in. They go in the Stanley Cup final last year. Regardless of what happened over that regular season, which is a disaster, they still got to the final. 10-11, Pronger gets hurt. They don't get out of the second round. Uh 11-12, Pronger is done. Again, you know, they, they get out in the second round because they didn't have done up depth defensively. Um, you, you, I've seen this team where like 13-14 where they had brought in a guy like Mike Street and the year after that, they lost. I can't remember off the top of my head who they lost, but they lost the piece defense. Oh, they lost Matt Carl after the lockout. Yeah. So like uh, 12-13, they lost Matt Carl. They didn't come back. They didn't make the playoffs. 13-14, they barely got in. 14-15, they lost some pieces. They were out again. This team, for whatever reason, during the Giroux era, they if they if they lose a piece unexpectedly or don't retain certain players that chemistry, it takes them like a full year to get that player back because they need to go through a season, see where the hole was, and then they come back with it. That that's not to say that they make a move at the deadline that they could change the chemistry of the team. They could they could propel themselves into a playoff spot. Absolutely, I think it could happen. It just depends on what you get and how much it improves the team. But I, I, I still don't count this team out because anything can happen. And again, once you get in, anything can happen. I, I mean, I don't think this team's capable of winning a Stanley Cup the way they're constructed now. But if Chuck Bechter, if Fletcher makes a move at the deadline and brings in a piece here to kind of tie everything together and they start improving, we'll see what happens then. But as of right now, you go from losing 9 nothing to being the top team in the East – and they beat you again the night before, but it wasn't anything like they just destroyed you like the Rangers did. They just had you had some bad luck, and they ended up in your net each time. It happens. It's hockey. They're, I think the Flyers are really starting to turn the corner here. And why people think that I'm probably nuts, but when you get your ass kicked that much, especially how much pride these NHL players have, it's some stuff. It ticks something in you. Like these guys are gonna be like, no, we're not that bad. We're not gonna have our whole season be reminded by a nine nothing loss, and they're gonna push back. And that's why I think they have enough confidence in this team because I've seen them doing plenty of times. I've seen them doing where they've been down like this. They're not playing up the expectations and they battle their way back. The Jeru's had a leadership tendency to do that with teams over the years. I have no question in mind that he'll do it again. Yeah. I mean, they're grinding, they're a grinder hockey team that like you talk about the grinder role of, of a, of a specific player. That's what the entire NHL flyers are like that's their team they're grinders yeah they grind things out that's why the first two periods against the islanders the game they won on thursday night was so impressive because they grinded they didn't just sit back and on their skates on their heels and just hope that the dump in and dump and chase thing worked they dumped it in they got it into the hard corners and they they set up their their system it didn't work on saturday night for the most part but that again you're right like there were bad bounces and 
I'm I'm sure we're never going to see Nate Prosser on the ice again. Hope not. Shane Gossesphere is probably going to come back, and yes, he's struggling. But also, you you hope that he has the same effect. It it has the same effect him coming back as what we saw with Oscar Lindblom the the following night against the Islanders when he scored two goals. Am I saying that all of a sudden that Gossesphere is going to score a hat trick on Monday night against the Islanders? No, but like there's there's a potential that he has he creates chances like he gets the secondary assist or he gets the the uncredited third assist like like he creates something that's all we really like it just seems like the lack of creativity has not has really hurt this team and whether that's again as you were saying the sudden loss of Matt Niskin who was supposed to be here for a number of years not just last season on a one-year contract like like the the retirement of him has shaken this team uh whether they'll, they'll say it publicly but they certainly Fletcher was shocked by it he's actually even said as we've talked about like if Matt Niskin changes his mind we got the spot up for him like he's Bingo. welcome to come back and there's your key right there like they had a roster constructed that they knew they can win with and this offseason add in COVID add in a surprise retirement that's not the same roster in a sense where yes generally for your forwards and something but defensively your most important six players as opposed to opposing you know, really as a unit you, you lost a major piece, none willingly. You didn't have and a training camp. Like, not like you didn't yeah. decide to bring a guy. You didn't decide to sign him. He just, he decided to retire. And that put the team in a bind, and nobody was able to, wanting to move anything with a flat cap. So it's a little bit of bad luck overall. But it doesn't make excuses for it. It's not making excuse for the team they should be playing this poorly. Like, Sandheim and Myers should not be play, should be playing better. Really, Myers is the one who's taking a step back this year. Sandheim's trying to do everything he can out there, but he's not Superman and he's not as skilled as Ivan Provorov, so you you he can't do everything. Yeah, so, Travis Sandheim is not is the least is one of the least bottom of the the concerns in my mind. Like, yeah, people way- are tweeting that he's been terrible. I don't think yeah. he's had some moments where you're like, what are you doing? But every defenseman has those moments. I mean, yep. for me, anything it's Myers. Like, why is Myers out of position? Why is he doing this? Why is he trying to do too much? He's yep. not simple his game i think that the problem is with myers i think they expect him to step up in a bigger role and i think it's in his head and i think for him what he'll need to do is that he needs to get away for a little while and get back and i think he needs an off season to do it i don't think that he was ready to step up into this uh, last season ready to step up into the niskin and rolls and number two i don't think he actually is a full number two i think it's more of a sandheim guy but they're reluctant to break up that unit and santa and and, and uh, myers is trying to do too much right now he's not keeping his game simple like he was before um, and he's got a year of tape on him. So guys know how to get through to him. And if he's yep. not pulling himself out of position, which he's done recently a lot um, overall, like this team's not going to get better unless they do something to improve the team defense. And we've said that week in and week out. It's yeah, we, it's been a constant theme this season, it seems. But, but, and I, here's the key word, but, but I do think that you'll see a much, much, much more consistent and better effort out of them going forward after that game that they rock bottom because you just, you don't get any worse than that. You don't. And granted, I don't want to look six one makes it sound a lot further away than it really was against yes. the Islanders last night. I mean, there were just bad bounces. I really people should really look at that game closely and we'll break it down, which we have not done yet. Um, but I have I've I've walked back and watched the game watched it a couple times already. 
I, I see more positives than I do negatives. I just think some bad luck happened there. And really it should have been like a two, maybe three, one game. It, really that's all it should have been. So um, if you, if you get more puck luck going your way, that loss doesn't look as bad as it is. And yeah. with a team like the Dionders who can clamp down defensively, as we saw in game seven last year, when they go full trap, they're in their zone and they just, they, they, you can't, you can't break it. So um, yeah, we, we've seen what the Islanders can do. So don't look at it so much. The Flyers played poorly in, in that game. Uh, they played poorly against the Rangers. Um, don't let take a look at that. Look at how well the actually the Islanders play. It's, I think sometimes fans have a hard time doing that because they want their team to win every single game. And statistically, if I can say the word right, it's not possible <laughs> at all to go 82 and 0. Even the team I hate the most, Toronto, they lost to Calgary the other night and then they came back and won last night. God damn it. So, uh, yeah, it's. Um, yeah. Before you get too angry, I think we should about talking about Toronto. We'll wrap yeah. here. Yeah. I, I, the best thing about this is the, the the best thing that this team has going for it right now is they have four at home. The, you were yeah. talking about those bad bounces, like the bad bounces at home are a lot more easily to ease, a lot more sustainable to deal with because you know how the ice is. You're way more familiar with the ice. You know how it bounces. You know the ebbs and flows of how that ice can be, unless something completely drastic, the Zamboni breaks down and they put too much water in the corner that you're not used to, whatever it may be. Like, don't look at me like that. I'm just thinking of weird scenarios where the you're ice. You're really, really stretching here, Bill. Talking whatever. about ice conditions in March. Like, All you're about. really, I could see April, May, June, not, <laughs> not right now. Not right now. It, it is getting warmer on the second third day of spring yeah yeah i know i understand, right. I understand. But, but I, I, think, it, I think you should stop right there before all you all you nice. all that needs to be said is they're like, in front of their own fans that's what's in front important. of their own fans who are probably going to boo the hell out of them at some good monday boo night them to start of piss them gone. off and get them in the right direction I, I i think this team you said six points i i, I go four I, I they're not going to beat the islanders on monday night they'll beat the devils and they'll split with the rangers that's how i yeah. see this team right now um, split I'm, them I'm, split them down I, I, you're entitled to your opinion. I just think that this team starting to turn a corner here. I really do. I just well, think that there's, there, there, I could be wrong, but everything that I've seen so far since that nine nothing loss is something that I think is more positive than it is negative. And if people start looking at it that way, you'll see it. There's a little bit different. It's not a doom and gloom because look, as bad as they lost, they lost two games combined score 15 to one. You still want two games out of it. So at about eight points, you got half of them, and that's exactly what you need. So if you look at it from that perspective and not the scores of the games and how many points they came out of it, I'm telling you, you'll feel a lot better about your life going forward. Well, that is going to do it for this week episode, and we'll do it again next week. And either Scott's going to rub it in my face or I'm going to rub it in his face. We'll see how it goes. Let us, let us know how we're doing. Orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Shoot us a, te- or shoot us a tweet. Uh, on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff at Orange and Backcheck. Uh, you can find us everywhere, including our YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe to us, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys in a week. Hashtag O Backcheck.